0: when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to WBW Theater. W-O-R, New York. Good morning, everybody. It's quarter past eight and time for breakfast with Pritchett and McCullough. Pinch hitting for breakfast with Dorothy and Dick, who are down in Bermuda enjoying a well-earned vacation. Florence Pritchett is well-known as a former women's editor, former director of the Charm School of... uh, the powers model agency and currently of course on the panel of radio's fascinating leave it to the girls As i said yesterday actually you just haven't begun to live if you don't know florence pritchett i heard her last oh. night very very <laughs> fine that's right morning flo how are you
1: i'm fine dad how are you
0: oh wonderful i heard you last night what was that that you said about men and uh, automobiles or something On leave it to the girls last night something Order. trade in value what was
1: <laughs> well some girl was comp- uh, trying to make up her mind one of the girls on the panel Eloise McElhone whether she wanted a car or a man and I said that uh, uh, the one thing you could say about a car that you couldn't say about a man was that you can turn a car in after you've used it and get money for it mm. what you can't do Touche with aren't a man aren't
0: ashamed to say that you know there's no real choice anyway it's 16 minutes past 8 o'clock now in New York right. and uh, tell me what else you did last night besides appear on Leave It to the Girl
1: I won a contest <clears throat> No kidding. Yes, I thought I was very proud of myself. As a matter of fact, I don't usually enter them.
0: What kind of a I contest? Can... Why I do not want a free washing machine because. <laughs> <laughs> Why I do?
1: Not. No, it wasn't quite. It was almost <laughs> as silly as that. There we went to a um, new place. I don't know whether you'd call it what you'd call it. It isn't a nightclub and it isn't a theater. It's sort of like both and it's on Second Avenue. What's the name of it? The Old Nick and a lot of uh, Yale boys have gotten together and backed this. Uh, I mean, they bought a movie house, an old movie house, you know, that shows westerns, those kind of things you want to play leads in and so on. I do. We'll
0: discuss that later. I want to do a commercial on myself and, uh, you know, draw attention, uh, I hope, from Republic Pictures or something. You might
1: get something from Monogram or Republic. You can never tell. But they took the movie movie house over and took all the seats out and put little tables around, and they put on an old-fashioned show, you know, I mean, sort of like an old vaudeville show with... um, and last night they'd had an amateur contest or something and everybody who had won the amateur contest was the show. But I didn't expect to have fun in the place and it turned out to be very amusing.
0: Listen, I think I'm beginning to see the light. That is the place that uh, uh, Paul Killian, who used to be uh, with WOR Special Features, took over. They uh, had an old, uh, old sort of melodrama over there that ran for a while, then I think they switched over to movies because people seemed to enjoy that better.
1: Yes, they showed some old movies last night. They were the funniest things I've ever seen, silent movies with the man to show his anger because his <laughs> wife was annoyed with him and couldn't say anything he would take a chair and shake it you know the way that <laughs> monkey does that whenever you say Buck <clears throat> to him he'd shake the chair all over the place with this horrible expression on his face and then a little subtitle would come out man is mad with wife so that you <laughs> understood what was you going on you think
0: that husbands don't do that now
1: uh shake chairs like that why sure i think they shake their wife not the chair
0: uh, they still had that funny expression on their face though but how about the contest
1: well... What's the uh, singing contest? Yes, the singing contest. Oh, oh, <laughs> they, oh. they had a, a community sing, and we sang all of these old songs. And there was some little man with a tired derby hat who would <laughs> go around with a microphone <laughs> and stick it in front of everybody's face, either when they had their mouth full or because they were shy and didn't want to sing. And they got a song called, uh, that old-fashioned song, By the Sea. You know that one. Yeah. And they asked everybody in the place to attempt to sing this song, as fast as, the, as this man could sing it, which was in eleven seconds, and not miss one word, and of course everybody kept missing it, so this girl and myself got very smug, and decided <laughs> we would sing it together and win, and we won. It was wonderful.
0: Would there be any possibility, for the benefit of our no. listeners who weren't no. there no. last no. night, no. To, no. you know, could you give us just a little no. bit of an idea?
1: No. At half speed. Oh, I couldn't even do it at a slow trot oh, this morning. Oh, come on!
0: I'll give you the the uh, vamp on it. Da, 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 oh no! <laughs> uh, no, I'll vamp I do again. think.
1: I do think though, it was it was so much fun. But uh, I think it's a wonderful idea for people to do uh, the reaction, noticing in a group of people who weren't even, who didn't even know each other, you know, all around this room, about a hundred people. Uh, the reaction was wonderful, and I think it'd be a good thing to do it at home if you have people uh visiting you and you have nothing to do that you can think of and you're tired of all the games that you've played already is make bets and see who can do it because nobody can do it well now we don't know
0: how to do it and the listeners don't know how unless you Oh, they do.
1: all they do is get the words of the song and hold it in front of somebody and they can look at it and sing it
0: the guy who sings it fastest what did you win
1: uh something i
0: can't what do you mean (laughs) some kind of liquor
1: Yes, some kind of liquor. Oh, Can we talk uh, about liquor in the
0: morning? Well, we don't endorse it necessarily, but if you win something, somebody pushes it at it. You, well, you know, they you... gave
1: us a bottle of some oh. kind of alcoholic beverage. Oh, champagne. Champagne.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Uh, what other kind of games do you play at your house, uh, you know, when you have parties? Do you ever play the game? What do they call it, charades?
1: Yeah, i played the game.
0: That sounds like fun. I've done that a lot of times myself. It's
1: wonderful fun. Yeah. There's another one that I saw played out in Detroit when I was visiting out there. It sounds kind of silly, but it's very funny, because any time you get uh, um, people doing something where they make sort of idiots of themselves, everybody <laughs> has a perfectly wonderful time, and all you do is you get two teams, and at the end of the room, you, pay, you, know, you put idiots two chairs. Idiots on one side, morons on the other. Idiots on one side, morons on the other. Yeah, okay. And you get two little square pieces of tissue paper. About um, four inches square.
0: Lydia Gray, maybe?
1: Lydia Gray. Uh, I Yeah. Doe skin tissue. No, Lydia Gray would be too soft. Oh. It would be much too soft. It would have to be a crisp... Get
0: an inferior doe skin tissue. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it has to be crisper, I know what you mean. Like they pack in boxes, hats... And that's, that's right. Mm-hmm.
1: And you take these two little pieces and you put them on the floor alongside of each other and you have teams like a relay race. And the point is that you must get the tissue paper down to the end of the room and around the chair and back to the starting line so someone else can take off. Before the other team does And you fan it with a piece of paper And it sounds very hard It sounds perfectly ridiculous But it's the funniest game in the world Because you have to get in a funny Sort of low crouch to do it And the tissue paper never goes in the right direction You fan frantically and nothing happens
0: But I know somebody who would be very good at that Who? Sally Rand Oh Oh Oh, oh. Well, she isn't she oh. an expert at fans? I, I or, don't know or I haven't seen her Oh, I see Well, I haven't either for a long time ago When the World's Fair was here some years ago I went out and saw her
1: Well, I read the other day that she tried to get her fans off a train at night or something and got in great (laughs) trouble.
0: (laughs) Which kind do you mean? The kind that autograph things, those kind of fans? Not those
1: kind of fans. Somebody had locked up her fans, and in the middle of the night, she wanted them for some reason down in Alabama someplace. And so the manager of the uh, whatever it was, the show got very angry Mm. because she broke the thing open with a crowbar or something. (laughs) She must have been awfully anxious for her fans.
0: Getting stronger every day.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I had to get that little frog. You know, I've always wondered, do you think that a frog ever gets a man in his throat?
1: Oh, he is really off. Uh, uh, he might.
0: I suppose. It's 23 minutes past 8 o'clock in New York, and I'd like to talk about beverages. I think a moment ago you were talking about a beverage. Oh, well, this is another fine beverage. For the past 40 years, Kirsch has been noted for its production of quality-controlled beverages, right?
1: Yes, it has. It's the maximum flavor at the minimum cost.
0: You know, uh, these uh, various uh, flavors are available, uh, you can get pale dry, you can get coca cream, cherry, sarsaparilla, uh, root beer, of course, cream soda, and club soda. That's really an array of uh, flavors, I'd say.
1: It certainly is, Dan. And the best thing about Cursed beverages are that they're very economical. They're on sale at neighborhood food, candy, and drug stores, and they cost only 15 cents a bottle.
0: And don't forget that they're wonderful as a thirst-quenching drink for children or grown-ups, too, naturally. The Cursed people maintain a complete laboratory to ensure their high standards of purity and quality and taste.
1: And any time, uh, Dan, when company drops in, and you may be playing one of those games which gets you very thirsty and very warm, it's wonderful to have Kirsch beverages ready in the icebox. They're so delicious, everybody loves them, and each bottle contains five, <coughs> six-ounce glasses.
0: Do you think that a moth would starve to death before it would try a little kirsch- <laughs> or something?
1: No, you're, uh, uh, I think it would starve to death before it tried a little yeah. uh, wool that had been uh, sprayed with Larvax.
0: That's right, because Larvex is actually positive protection against moth damage. You actually moth-proof the cloth itself with Larvex.
1: Yes, and one spraying with Larvex moth-proofs coats, suits, rugs, dresses, anything you want for a whole year.
0: You know, it's the only safe, sure moth-proof method used for years by the great big woolen mills and uh, is now sold for home use.
1: Well, it's very easy to use, Dan. There's no wrapping or storing away. It's absolutely odorless, and you simply spray the garment with Larvex and hang it in its usual place.
0: And the Larvex penetrates each tiny woolen fiber, and so naturally then it makes the cloth itself mothproof.
1: And the important thing is that Larvex is inexpensive. It's on sale everywhere, and it's spelt L-A-R-V-E-X, Larvex.
0: Right. Uh, I wonder, would there be any possibility of uh, getting you out to the West Coast again, or should we save that to a you know, a little later
1: oh yes let's save it to a little, little later till a little later Do
0: you have any ideas
1: do I have any ideas about what oh
0: just uh, how to fill up 45 minutes <laughs> how, how about uh, how about a recipe I don't think you've given a recipe for years on this program
1: no I haven't I sort of have left it to, uh, to uh, other people but yesterday I found the most wonderful book I think I have ever read I was so fascinated with reading every single thing in it it's an old-fashioned cookbook that belonged to my grandmother and we went i went out to the country and found it in the attic and it was printed in 1898 and was collected all the recipes are collected by the ladies of the church of the epiphany in danville virginia
0: isn't that charming
1: well it's a charming book because it's in old print and uh other than the recipes they have pictures of uh trolley cars i mean ads for trolley car companies and all these old uh, you know congress gator shoes and (laughs) old-fashioned things so it's a fascinating book to read but the one thing that I liked about it was that uh, as a theme mm-hmm. of every section, whether it be the pastry section or the salad section or whatever it may be, they have a little poem, and, uh, which makes the book very amusing. Mm-hmm. And as the theme of the whole book, they have a poem that I shall read. I won't give a recipe necessarily, but I'll read the poem because I think it uh, shows uh, that men do think, uh, I mean, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach.
0: Okay. And Friends. the ladies
1: of the epiphany knew it, too.
0: Friends, we now give you Florence Pritchett, <laughs> poetry reader.
1: <laughs> Go. I, I can't read poetry very uh, well. I bet
0: you can. Let's No, hear it I now.
1: can't. It just says, We may live without poetry, music and art. We may live without conscience and live without heart. We may live without friends. We may live without books. But civilized man cannot live without cooks. He may live without books. What is knowledge but grieving? He may live without hope. What is hope but deceiving? He may live without love what is passion but pining, but where is the man that can live without dining?
0: Very good, and I think Ted think Malone had better watch out.
1: Oh, yes. I, mean, I do.
0: No, you read Well, that it right wouldn't long.
1: be bad to be a female Ted Malone, but nevertheless, uh, it, it amuses me that way back in 1898 they knew about men. How don't do you, you feel don't, about don't cooking? Don't
0: you, you mean you think that it's just recently that uh, women have learned about men?
1: No, I don't think it's just recently. Oh. It's obvious that they oh. learned. Let's, uh, let's
0: get into that subject a little later, shall we? But uh, at the moment, is there anything besides poetry in this cookbook?
1: Well, there's a recipe. Good. You said a recipe, so I will give a recipe. And I think that uh, for salad, because it's getting warm and the warm weather's coming on, and good salads are very hard to make, and everybody loves them. Men particularly love a salad.
0: You're so right.
1: And they have a salad in this book that is called Sidney Smith's Recipe for Salad Dressing.
0: Sidney Smith. I haven't heard of Sidney. I bet you he switched to Calvert because Calvert is smoother, (laughs)
1: huh? I don't know. I don't know why you keep plugging that thing. I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't know who Sidney Smith is either, but evidently he was the love of all of the ladies of the Church of the Epiphany. Uh,
0: Down in Danville, (laughs) Danville, Virginia. Uh
1: Uh-huh. What does Sid say? (laughs) This is another poem. But Sid says... Sid's
0: simple salad.
1: (laughs) You are absolutely no help. I'm sorry. This is Sidney Smith's recipe for salad dressing. Uh, to make this condiment, your poet begs the pounded yellow of two hard-boiled eggs. Two boiled potatoes pass through kitchen sieve, smoothness and softness to the salad give. Let onion atoms lurk within the bowl and, half-suspected, animate the whole. Of mordant mustard, add a single spoon, distrust the condiment that bites so soon. But deem it not, thou man of herbs, a fault to add a double quantity of salt. And lastly, o'er the flavoured compound toss, a magic soup song of anchovy sauce. Oh, green and glorious, oh, herbaceous treat, t'would tempt the dying anchorite to eat. Back to the world he'd turn his fleeting soul and plunge his fingers into the salad bowl. Serenely full, the epicure would say, fate cannot harm me, I have dined today. Bravo! Don't you think that Magnifique! A, I want you to get me an Academy Award right now, but I do think it's a wonderful salad dressing. Look,
0: uh, do you mean that the, the whole book, uh, all the recipes are in poetry?
1: Half of the recipes are in poetry. Oh, I didn't
0: realize that.
1: Well, that's why I think it's such a charming book. It certainly
0: is. I, I thought you meant that at the beginning of each section, you know, they had a couplet or something well, like that.
1: Th- well, they have that too, but uh, some of the recipes, Sidney Smith evidently loved to write poetry, so all of his recipes all through the book are written in poem form.
0: Gosh, that is wonderful.
1: I think it is too.
0: It would be fun to meet Sid sometime.
1: Yes, it I'd would. I'd like have him
0: up for a bowl of salad. i <laughs> 30 minutes past 8 o'clock in New York. Let's talk about some soap now, OK?
1: Soap? All yep.
0: right. Uh, well, it's not actually a soap. It's a detergent. It's spelled D-R-E-F-T, Dreft. And it is a synthetic, and it's not a soap.
1: No, it's not a soap, Dan. But Dreft gets rid of dishpan grease the way no soap in the world can do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, other than that, when it comes to lingerie or stockings. Dreft leaves colors bright and fresh longer than any other soap flakes or soap would.
0: That's right. And uh, because it is not a soap, but a synthetic detergent, it leaves no scum or film in the wash water, which I imagine is pretty important, isn't it, Flo?
1: It's very important. If you have nice new woolens, uh, dreft will wash them softer and fluffier than even the most expensive soap flakes. And nightly dreft washing makes stockings last longer.
0: It makes dishes shine... Even without wiping, which is very important to the husbands of America, they can just forget about wiping dishes. Yes, and
1: it cuts dishwashing time in half, which is very important to the housewives of America.
0: Let's sum this thing up in one sentence, okay?
1: Dreft is on sale everywhere.
0: I got another sentence. It's (laughs) the greatest suds discovery in 2,000 years. D-R-E-F-T, dreft.
1: But, uh, Dan, you know, there's something else we should talk about, too. Okay. To get back to the cookbook, this is something where you don't really need one. There are two special features that Hanscom is offering this weekend. Did you know that?
0: Mm, didn't know that, but I'm glad to know
1: it. Well, there's a wonderful special coffee cake item called the Honey Cluster that costs 50 cents, and the top is literally swimming in honey, and it's simply delicious.
0: Sounds fine to have in the house over the weekend, you know, for Sunday morning breakfast or even with uh, coffee in the afternoon.
1: Yes, it's very good. And uh, the, there's another item at Hanscom's. The dessert item is an ultra-special coconut custard pie. Ooh, that I love. Well, I love it, too, and the custard is particularly good. It's rich and creamy and smooth, and combined with that wonderful shredded coconut flavor, it makes the combination worth raving
0: about. Sounds like sort of a perfect climax to, you know, late Saturday night dinner.
1: It certainly is, and it's priced at 60 cents, and is on sale at all of the Hanscom stores.
0: In other words, that's for the uh, Honey Cluster, it's 50 cents, and uh, for the, uh, what is this, that Coconut Custard Pie, that's 60 cents, and it's on sale, as Flo just said, at all of the Hanscom, spelled H-A-N-S-C-O-M, Hanscom stores. Anybody interested in the time now? You know, I understand that I have been, uh, you know, just giving the time like crazy last week. (laughs) Get hysterical and, you know, just say, time is, time is, time is, time is, so I'm not gonna do it very often today. I'm going to say it's 8.32. Also, I understand that I have been doing it wrong. I have had orders from the powers that be that the correct method of giving the time when you get past 8.30 is to say it's so many minutes to 9. Now, the only trouble with that is that Dorothy and Dick have a beautiful clock here. It works well, it's pretty to look at, and it sits here and everybody can see it. But the trouble with it is that it keeps saying so many minutes past 8 o'clock. And as a result of that, why I I have to subtract the number of minutes it is past 8 o'clock from the number of minutes there are in an hour, and arrive at some sort of—that's pretty difficult for me, particularly in the morning. Now it's 33 minutes past eight o'clock. What would that be in terms of minutes to 33 nine?
1: 33 minutes past eight o'clock. Yeah. Be well, 27 minutes to nine.
0: From now on, I'll tell you how many minutes past eight o'clock, and you tell me <laughs> how many minutes to nine. You're a 27 wizard.
1: 27 minutes to
0: nine? Oh, I'm very clever. Oh, you are. They've
1: always said girls are smarter than boys.
0: They are too, and prettier.
1: Well, not necessarily. Oh no, that's
0: true. Say, uh, could I tie up one other little loose end?
1: Tie up all the loose ends you want.
0: I have mellowed since I've been on this program. At first, uh, remember, I was a little nasty to a certain bird friend of ours over there by the name of Robin, and I want to apologize to him. And I understand that a number of canary lovers were upset because I wasn't too sweet to Robin.
1: I know you weren't. You and were I'm, very disagreeable. I'm
0: ashamed of myself.
1: Well, he sang charmingly for you, and he sang to make you cheerful.
0: That's right. The only thing is, the only statement I really made that uh, I'm not too sorry about is the fact that I said that he sang flat. Now, I have gone into this in detail. I don't do things halfway. I have consulted with Sylvan Levin of our music department. He is conductor of our orchestra, and he conducts quite a few shows around the station as a fine guy, incidentally. I said, have you heard this program lately? He said, I have. I said, well, look, did did you happen to notice whether Robin, the canary that's here in the dining room of Dorothy and Dix, sings on key or if he's a little flat? He says, you're right. He said, I've noticed it myself. The thing is, Uh, He says he's singing on key, but the frequency of the band is spread. Just what he meant by that, I don't know. But maybe he Uh modulates all the time.
1: Maybe he. But the reason
0: he. Well, maybe he. See, if he'd start in a key and stay there, it'd be all right. But he doesn't. He sets a different key practically every note.
1: Well, I would like to ask you to sing a few small phrases. Do you stay in key? Do you modulate? What do you do with your voice?
0: I I do a wonderful imitation of of an African bird. You name it, and you can have it.
1: Wanna I can't it? name an African bird.
0: Well, then you don't want me to do the imitation. No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> let me try it. Do like this. Thing. Now that is on key. I mean It is? Yeah.
1: Well, I uh, never would have known it unless you told me.
0: Well, anyway, I uh I think we should move from Well, birds remind me of eggs, don't they, you? And now let's talk about the egg and eye.
1: Now let's talk be... about the egg and eye. Oh, well, did, didn't
0: you just see that recently? Yes,
1: I did see it recently, as a matter of fact. Then the uh It opened in Radio City yesterday, but I saw a press, went to a press preview held here several weeks ago, and uh, it's a wonderful, funny picture. I read the book and died of laughter when they, were the problems that this woman had on this horrifying chicken ranch, Uh way, way up in the mountains, miles from nobody, I mean miles from everything, and all she had were a lot of chickens and her husband, and they've made a very funny uh, movie out of it with Claudette Colbert being the poor, harassed wife who hates chickens, and Fred McMurray being the the uh, man who adores chickens and who thinks his wife should love them too, and uh, I've heard of love me, love my dog, but I've never heard of love me, love my chickens.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a wonderful idea. Uh, Did it open for the public or was that a preview that you...
1: No, well, I went to a preview originally Mm -hmm. uh, here, but uh, that was held for the press. They always do that ahead of time because the press has deadlines to meet on their stories, you know. But uh, yesterday it opened at Radio City and uh, it, I went in there just for a little bit and everybody was roaring with laughter because Marjorie Maine plays the part of the uh, uh, old woman that has so many children mm-hmm. and uh, lives in this rattle trap of a house throwing things around and when she rings for lunch about 15,000 children of all sizes <laughs> come pouring in and sit down and poor Claudette Colbert is standing there looking for a seat and there are no seats <laughs> so Marjorie Maine screams at this little child Henry, get up and give the lady a seat. And she keeps saying, Henry, get up and give the lady a seat. And Henry doesn't pay any attention, just sits there looking at his plate and finally raises his eyes and says, Ma, I ain't Henry. Henry's down the table a little. <laughs> <laughs> Which kills me. You know, you have that many children, you can't remember what their names are. You ought to have cards hung around their neck or something.
0: <laughs> like on quiz programs.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it, it was interesting because the man who wrote uh, the screen version of it and directed it is a sort of a New York boy who made good. Uh, Chester Erskine did a lot of plays here first Mm -hmm. and uh, he did The Last Mile and always pictures about, I mean, plays about uh, Penitentiaries and people who lived indoors and he's never been on a chicken farm I don't think in his life and now he did the play and directed (laughs) it, but he got the feeling there were chickens all over the place
0: Well, that's very good. Um, You know, they're conducting a contest as a matter of fact on W.O.R. early in the morning Uh, Joe beer has been conducting a contest in uh, connection with this picture the egg and I uh, concerning the farmer's daughter. I don't know just too much about it, but I know this well worth You mean you investigating. don't know very much
1: about a farmer's daughter?
0: How can you say a thing like that? Not, I've never been in the country. New Jersey, I've been flying over New Jersey several times. Well, there
1: are farmer's daughters in New Jersey.
0: Well, but I've been up high. I never got to meet one.
1: Well, you ought to come down to Earth once in a while.
0: And meet a farmer's daughter.
1: You, uh, were you flying over New Jersey? When were you flying over New Jersey? Well, I was flying over New Jersey, as a matter of fact, last week. Well, you know, you flew down the street the other day when I made, a comment about, uh, I made a comment about your driving and how I really didn't have to go flying with you because I'd driven with you. And that very morning, it evidently went to his head. And that very morning, we got down to 57th and Park, and he goes zooming around the corner on the wrong side of the street, and it's great. Now, it wasn't 57th and Park. I forget just where it was. But a policeman... Uh, Stopped him and said, I want to talk to you. (laughs) And uh, Dan said, What's the matter? Don't you like the way I drive? And he said, I think you're the lousiest driver I have seen in 20 years as a policeman. So I don't think you really have to fly.
0: I see. Just uh, stay right on the ground and. Stay
1: right on the ground. Have
0: fun on 57th Street. Same feeling as
1: you get in a P 81.
0: Um, Could we change the subject? (laughs)
1: No, you were going to tell us what you were doing in New Jersey. What happened to you in New Jersey? You didn't meet a farmer's daughter, but what happened?
0: Oh, well, I'll tell you, the. The uh, other morning, we mentioned something about um, flying, and we were talking, as I recall, about um, Phil Cochran's uh, project of Sky Motive, Sky yeah. Motive, you know. Uh-huh. An airport manager down there uh, in Belvedere, New Jersey, uh, dropped me a little note and said to fly down there sometime, and uh, I intend to. It's down near, near the Delaware Water Gap, and it sounds like a wonderful idea. And as a matter of fact, could I have about, oh, uh, 20 seconds? To talk about?
1: 20 minutes if you want.
0: You know, it's a wonderful thrill nowadays. It's going to be a coming weekend to uh, get in a little old Cub airplane, Piper Cub, uh, about, you know, half an hour out of New York, and fly down, say, 150 miles to some little spot where they have a nice grassy w- runway, and get out of the airplane and spend the weekend there, you know, and uh, everybody will be flyers. Won't have to be, but most of them will be pilots and flying enthusiasts. going a little can...
1: crowded up in the air, isn't it?
0: Oh, no, there's an awful lot of air up there. Remember, you have three ways.
1: Three ways?
0: Or two ways? No, you have three ways.
1: Three ways of what? Well, you
0: know, on the street you can only turn left and right and go forward and backwards.
1: What else can you do? Oh, up and down. Up and down, you see?
0: So there's a lot more room. You
1: mean when (laughs) 1,000 people are going sideways, everybody else can go up and other people can go down and we'll all have a lot of room? That's right, sure.
0: Sure. I'm going to describe a typical weekend. All you have to do is uh, take the... I think A-Train or C-Train or some train to get up to Dykman Street and to get out and get in your airplane and fly down to a place like Belvedere and have a wonderful time down there. And uh, probably the next 10 years, people will be doing things like that.
1: With little little planes like Cubs and Helicopters or something. Sure. Now, yeah. friends,
0: uh, we're very happy to change the subject and present the next <laughs> chapter in the story of Florence Pritchett, Screen Test Girl.
1: Well, that is certainly a sudden switch.
0: Oh, I don't think so. That's, uh, we're flying over to Jersey. Let's get on out to Hollywood.
1: Well... Anything what do you, else? you want Last to know? Last week, you
0: know, we found out that Miss Pritchett's cheeks went in instead of out. What are we going to find out? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you're going to find out why I didn't take it, probably. But I think maybe we should tell for the listeners uh, what we mean by my cheeks went in, don't you?
0: Yeah, a lot of people might not have been listening. It seems Florence was out on the coast, and she was all set, getting made up by the makeup man. And he said to you, didn't he? He said, the trouble with you and the reason you won't be a success is that your cheeks go in instead of out.
1: I know, and I was a little worried about that. You know, I had, it had never worried me before. I'd been looking in the mirror for quite some number of years when, in the morning, you know, when I comb my hair. And I had never been particularly distressed about the fact that my cheeks went in, but suddenly <laughs> it's become the great uh, phobia of my mind. But I have discovered everybody's do.
0: Oh, well I think that
1: makeup man must have been coming from another world or something because everybody's cheeks go in, don't they, someplace?
0: Oh, they should, particularly when you chew, they go in and out, up and down. <laughs>
1: and that's three-way, isn't it?
0: It certainly is.
1: But the, the unique thing about it is that I had always heard, you know, uh, having been writing for the movie magazines for some time, I had always heard about the girls that go out to uh, California and they are sitting in a drugstore minding their own business and some a tremendously famous director comes up and says, you are the one for the lead in my next picture. Well, I had heard about that. I went out to California once about two years ago, and I think it broke my mother's heart when nobody bumped into me or thought I should stay.
0: You spent four <laughs> hours a day sitting in drugstores. So yes. somebody would I
1: spent all of my time <laughs> sitting in drugstores waiting for somebody to discover me. Nobody discovered me. All I did was have to pay an awful lot of drugstore checks. Uh. But this time, I, I was out on, on uh, vacation primarily, and to write 15 stories because I go out and do an awful lot of stories at once, you know, and then Mm -hmm. uh, they go in the magazines gradually. And I went over to uh, Warner Brothers and, uh, as I said before, this Michael Curtiz, who uh, is one of the top directors in California, now has his own production company. He's done about 62 top pictures. He's done more than anybody else in Hollywood. Was feeling a little weak in the head that day and he said, You have nothing to do. Why don't you make a screen test? And then you can write a story about it and, uh, you know, say how it feels to make a screen test. And if it's any good, I will make you a great, big, famous star. Mm. So, of course, I, being a little weak in the head, agreed to do it and went through this rigmarole of having a tremendous black limousine from Warner Brothers come to pick me up It looked more like a hearse and when i went home in it it might just as well have been one because i was dead as far as pictures were concerned
0: besides your cheeks were in and my cheeks were in
1: (laughs) and uh, he got very upset because my nose went up and they do a tremendous makeup job they take you in this place and thousands of little lackeys come rushing out of holes in the wall they come every place you look you turn around somebody comes and looks at you and without pretending that you can hear you know that they don't treat you as they would a human being They all stand there and look at you and say, oh, she's not very good, her eyes are brown. Oh, her hair's brown. Oh, my heavens, we have to make it blonde. Oh, my word, look at that nose. Her ears. (laughs) We'll have to tape her ears back. And you sit there feeling like a complete and total idiot, you know. I can understand that. But very wistful about the whole thing. So they they made me up. He took millions of brushes, and he would paint me white on the sides of my forehead and brown down by my cheeks because that underneath makeup comes out. In other words, if you paint something white it brings it out if you paint it brown it makes it look narrower you know mm-hmm. it's one of those things then by the time he got through I looked like a, more a Eurasian than American <laughs> but the thing that I loved the most were the false eyelashes I had never had false eyelashes on
0: well yours look alright now I don't know why they wanted to enhance them or
1: anything. oh they, they have to do everything in Hollywood they ha- can't have anything in Hollywood the way it is on the street, you know. I was just
0: wondering, what happens to those stars when they get out of a picture? Do they just sort of fall apart? I mean, They, they do, it's I up. I mean, you,
1: you take off everything. They, they, you take off the tape and their ears jump out and you take <laughs> off false noses and, uh. and false teeth and, and caps for the teeth and all kinds of things. Hmm. So they uh, um, put these eyelashes on me, and of course I couldn't get my eyes open. They were so heavy that they kept hanging down on my cheek and he said, you you look you know, as if you're <laughs> awfully sleepy. <laughs> and i couldn't get my eyes open and i was blinking at everybody and they kept saying open your eyes miss pritchett and i couldn't so well we got the false eyelashes on and i was all made up and i departed for the uh sound stage where this big thing was going to take place <laughs>
0: you should have played the scene in a uh, cheslon or something
1: i should have played what yeah. bella lugosi usually plays dracula or something like that you know it would With have been a lot shut. better <laughs> but they uh got on this big empty sound stage millions of people around And a lot of very good actors and actresses and little men. Because in Hollywood, there is no one person who can do anything by themselves. Everybody has to have 15 little helpers Mm. who smoke the the big helper. The main helper smokes a very big and long cigar. The next one smokes a smaller cigar. (laughs) And finally, you get down to the smallest helper, who is very unimportant, who smokes nothing but cigarettes. I mean, he's a very pitiful type. Nobody talks to him. Mm. But um, they were all wandering around. So I sat down and I saw about 15 other little girls all sitting there and i had been under the impression i was going to be shot so called in a dark closet where nobody was going to watch oh. my is uh, it histrionic ability
0: yes that's what it is
1: and uh so they came up to me and they said now this is the scene you go sit at that little desk there's a typewriter you're typing and the phone rings and you say with strange music in the background no one is home i'm here all by myself really oh no no i'm all by myself and then as you put the phone down A shadow comes creeping across the wall a great black shadow proceeds I see it you see and drop the phone with a crash and start to scream and he chokes me and that was to be the screen test so I certainly didn't want to die in my first piece of film and I watched these girls go up and do it and all I could see was a picture of myself opening my mouth and screaming and I couldn't even get my eyes open to look frightened because of these eyelashes So I I just sort of sat there terrified and finally, one of these little men, not the one with the big cigar, but with the medium-sized cigar, mm-hmm. the medium-sized lackey came up and poked me and said, um, hey, Goyle, what's your name? And that broke my heart so that I went up to Mr. Curtis and said, thank you very much. I've had a lovely day. Love being made up. My eyelashes are sensational. May I take them home? I want to wear them always, but I do not want to make a screen test and went home. So I never made it.
0: Thank you, Miss Pritchett. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Gabriel Eder. <laughs> And. Now, friends, you've heard the second and final chapter of Florence <laughs> Pritchett's Screen Test Girl. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow at the same time when we'll have a commercial concerning Dan McCullough's Republic Picture career, which I hope he starts
1: soon. Well, I hope you start it too, uh, Dan, and I hope they don't put false eyelashes on you. I hope no When you start it. But, you know, speaking of California, mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot of trouble out there with money, and I discovered a wonderful thing. Yeah? Yep, National City Bank Traveler's Checks. They're so dependable, and they're backed by the National City Bank of New York, which is America's largest worldwide bank, as you know.
0: One thing to remember, too, is that no one can spend these traveler's checks but you. Your signature, when you spend them, identifies you alone as the rightful owner.
1: Yes, and then, if the checks are lost or stolen, your money will be promptly, promptly refunded.
0: That's right, and National City Bank traveler's checks can be cashed anywhere in the world, in stores and nightclubs, ships, gasoline stations, ticket offices... Hotels, even ho- any
1: place. And uh, better than that, they are issued in denominations from $10 to $100, so you can carry whatever amount of money you want. The National City Bank traveler's checks are good as gold and twice as safe.
0: The time is now 49 minutes past 8 o'clock. That, uh, as I know, are you going to translate that now and tell me what that is? Is that 11 minutes to 9? What
1: did you say it was for? 49
0: minutes past uh, 8. What is that?
1: That's, uh, I think quickly, Flan. Uh, yeah. um, well,
0: you figure that out. For it's just eleven. Eleven. Eleven, right, 11 oh, minutes to nine I'm o'clock. A slow. Okay. Uh, how about talking about a shampoo now, and a very good one too.
1: Well, yes, I, I would like to, because in in uh, California, they uh, particularly stress the importance of a woman having beautiful hair, and I found out that Rave Cream Shampoo is the shampoo that brings out unsuspected beautiful natural color in your hair. It's not a tint or a dye, uh, Dan. It's just a lanolin-rich cream shampoo.
0: I understand that uh, it rinses out uh, very quickly and uh, very cleanly, too, and removes loose dandruff.
1: Yes, and it makes billows of lather in any water. And besides revealing this undreamed-of natural color, it makes your hair sparkling clean.
0: Another thing, it comes in a shatter-proof, spill-proof green tube, which makes it naturally very ideal for traveling or for gals who like to shampoo in the shower. Rave, spelled R-A-Y-V-E, Rave Cream Shampoo, is on sale at Drug Department, 5 and 10 cent stores.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Dan, when you were talking a little earlier about the canary and how you had been cruel to, uh, and rude to such a poor little canary... And I'm ashamed. Yes, I'm glad you are ashamed. It made me think of uh, the fact that where you weren't particularly polite to that canary, I've noticed something in New York recently. I've been making sort of a survey, uh, and uh, Emerson made a quota- wrote a quotation once, rather. A good behavior is the finest of arts. And I noticed in riding in taxicabs, now this isn't true of all taxi cabs at all, but uh, I've been making a survey by tipping all the drivers a different amount of money and have noticed that one out of ten will say thank you. And I just thought that uh, if uh, the people in the world, I mean, instead of pushing against each other and not saying excuse me, and instead of not thanking people when they do something, that we might be feeling a little bit better just as you picked on a canary, people are picking on each other.
0: Yeah, the idea being, I suppose, that uh, if we were all a little nicer in our everyday tasks and so forth, why, the big ills of the world might be solved.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, you ride in the subway and people step on your feet and then they turn around and sneer at you you know and they're the ones that have done the stepping
0: you know uh, generally dogs are nice to each other
1: dogs are very nice to each
0: other in fact i've got one right down in the car right now called calvert dog of distinction and he's a very fine <laughs> dog either. he's an afghan hound and he's very sweet to everybody including my other little hound horace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, the only thing is you know many people gave up owning dogs during the war do you know that
1: no i didn't know that yeah? why
0: well because the government took away tin cans from dog food and they were forced to rely on dry dog foods Oh. And uh, dry dog food, as you know, is very starchy, and many dogs will not eat it.
1: Oh, I know, but uh, there is something uh, that dogs will thrive on, and that's thrivo. How you spell that? T-H-R-I-V-O.
0: You can tell the time and spell. That's wonderful.
1: Isn't it wonderful?
0: Oh, it is a fine dog food. It's back on the market at last. And remember that it contains practically no starch at all.
1: And dogs really love it, Dan. It's ri- rich and meaty, and it was first made in answer to the demand of leading veterinarians for a dog food containing less starch. Every can of Thrivo is inspected and certified by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And it's on sale. It stores everywhere.
0: Right. It is now 52 minutes past 8 o'clock, which, oh, 53, I guess it is. That would be, uh, what is 53 from 60? Uh,
1: Seven. I don't know.
0: Seven minutes to 9 o'clock. Seven
1: minutes to 9 o'clock.
0: That means that we have, oh, roughly what, 45 seconds?
1: Mm -hmm. All right, I'll give it to you.
0: Well, I'm just going to say that uh, we've had no guest today. We've had a wonderful time in this little chat, and I think, uh, uh, why don't we do this again sometime? I can have you all to myself. It's just wonderful.
1: I think it's a wonderful idea, but tomorrow we're going to have a guest, uh, Dan, Paul Douglas, uh, the star Born Yesterday.
0: Oh, fine. And former radio announcer?
1: Former radio announcer and sports announcer and all different kinds of things.
0: The time tomorrow will be 11.15, you know. That'll be brunch. And this has been Pritchett and McCullough, great firm. Substituting for Dorothy and Dick are enjoying a well-earned vacation down there in Bermuda. You want to say goodbye now?
1: Yes, I would like to say goodbye, everybody.
0: Tune in tomorrow at quarter past 11. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-'em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind with WBW Theater.